This is The Worth Report. Each week, we'll give you financial news you can use to help manage your financial future and prepare for retirement. Now, let's join the president and CEO of Worth Financial, Glenn Wright, for this week's edition of The Worth Report. Good Saturday morning and welcome to this week's edition of The Worth Report. I'll be filling in as the host today. My name is Will. Nick is unable to join us today. He has a uh, pressing engagement of some sort, I'm sure. He's a busy guy, though. So He is um, a busy guy. He stays pretty busy. But uh, first and foremost, let me say good morning to our host, uh, or our co-host here, Mr. Glenn Wright of Worth Financial. Glenn, how you doing this morning, bud? Doing great, man. Doing great. Nick uh, just became the interim president and CEO of the Urban League of Charlotte. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's 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 doing some pretty big, fancy, and very important work. So yeah, uh, yeah. just really, really congratulations to you, Nick, if you listen to the show today. Well, and I think it goes without saying, if, if uh, for those of us who know Nick personally, they know um, uh, most everything Nick does is, you know, they say, if you love what you do, it's not a job. Yeah, uh, Nick loves loves what he does. Oh yeah, well it's not a job. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely clearly, not a job. Clearly, and, um, clearly. And, and I don't know that I know many people that care as much about his about their community, about the people in their community as as Nick does. So that's true. Um, congratulations to him. And and yeah, Nick, if you are listening, good good morning. I hope I can uh, hope I can do at least a halfway decent job this morning. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure he'll send us a critique and let uh, us know. You know that. You know that. <laughs> um, so uh, you know. Uh, this is a this is a very different style of financial show. Um, I'm sure you folks have you know you know you, you've heard the word retirement, you've heard finances, you've heard this, you've heard that. But one thing on this show that I do love is that you guys go in a lot of different directions. And today right. is not going to be any different. We're not just going to tell you, hey, go out and you know put your money into this, put your money. In. We're going to talk about the way the world works, and that's that's one of the great things about the Worth Report is we give you financial news you can use. So, and I want to start right off the bat. Our, our good friend Sai has uh, as always has been sort of mining the financial world, if you will, looking for things for us to really bring out and bring to the forefront of people's minds so that they can think about their money and how they're spending it. And today's topic, today's show, we're going to start talking about uh, today a a little bit about millennials and home buying and things like that. And, and, you know, Glenn, I I myself bought a house about 10 years ago. Okay. um, And I was in a very odd place. I didn't know if I should buy a home, if I shouldn't buy a home. Mm -hmm. And you know, we're, we're, we're reading from an article here from, from NBCNews.com and their business and real estate um, uh, section. And it turns out that home buying has reached its lowest level ever yeah. with millennials. That's right. Um, That's right. Talk to me a little bit about why you think that is. I know some of the things it talks about in this article or, you know, the general stuff that, that millennials face. But but, you know what people deal with financially more, probably better than anyone. Yeah. Where does where does that really start? Well, you know, we're in the trenches. I mean, we meet with people and clients each and every day and really try to find out um, why this is taking place. I mean, millennials are certainly not your father's uh, generation no. <laughs> by any means of the, of the imagination. Some bad and, and really some good. Mm-hmm. So um, believe it or not, um, they do have, uh, you know, as many articles say, a lot to learn. But there are things that we can learn from them as well. One is, as it pertains to, to real estate, who knows where they're going to be? I mean, this is really the first generation of more entrepreneurs and people even working in corporate who have had parents to move from place to place. Mm-hmm. So now, unlike my parents, my mother was a school teacher for 41 years. That was it. Right. My father worked for GM for 37 years. That was it. That was it. That's all that they did. So 
uh, to be able to move to a different city, to see something different, uh, not to be attached to something. Um, that makes a difference. And so now when the children are seeing this, it works and it, it magnifies. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the big um, differences with millennials is that FaceTime is not that important. So FaceTime not being the the iPhone app, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that's very important. Right, I guess that is. But but you don't actually have to be face to face. So because of that, doesn't matter where I live, Mm -hmm. you can live anywhere. Um, I'm not necessarily bound to a certain area. So I think because of that, it doesn't make sense to just generally. We're not even talking financially, but just from a general perspective, it may not make sense to buy a house because I may want to move tomorrow and. They're also hearing the horror stories of people who did buy 2007, 2008, who are saying from a financial perspective now that it may not make sense because I may have to hold this home. I may take a bath on this home. They, they really didn't see the appreciation in the 90s and early 2000s of how if, you, if I bought a home today for 100000 I might be able to sell it in a couple of years for 125000 So I think not being able to, to really see and realize that to see the downside, and also because they're not attached to anything, that's lies the, the difference. Well, and not to not to, I, I'm by no means a psychologist or a psychiatrist or anything of the sort. You just uh, play one on TV, just just on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. <laughs> um, but but two, I I think that uh, there's something to be said for the family unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, millennials, I think, probably have seen more divorce. Oh, absolutely, so, absolutely, which in turn affects their. It sort of affects their thought process when it comes to commitment as a whole, not just to a human being, but to where they live, what what's how they're going to live. Um, you know, when you like, I know for me personally, I come from a divorced family. Yeah. So join the club. Yeah. So uh, I'm in that club, unfortunately. Right. So commitment, not only to another person, you know, whatever your choices may be, but also commitment to you know, a job to where mm-hmm. you live. I mean, buying a home is a commitment at the end of the day. No question. Um, and I think a lot of millennials have that sort of mindset of, I'm a little leery of committing to something for a long period. And buying a home is just that, a commitment. Yeah, I heard that in, in Washington, D.C. And I don't know if this is a fact or not, but that the average age of getting married has grown, has grown to 35. <laughs> 35, wow. when, you know, it used to be early 20s, mm-hmm. now, sweetheart. and then mid-20s, and then late-20s, and now 35 for the average age of getting married. So um, there lies your commitment right there, you know, or lack thereof. And and I, I know for me personally, I know when I was 35, when I was between the ages of 30 and 35, I'm thinking, no way I'm getting married. And when I was 20 to 30, absolutely no way I was right, getting Right, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, commitment plays a big role. You know, something else that this article from NBC News mentioned, too, is mm-hmm. that and, and you've talked about this a lot. And, and it's it's one of the topics that I've told you on, on a number of occasions I find most interesting, how strapped millennials are to student loans, oh. to the credit card sort of life that they've already gotten themselves into. They're 30 years old. They're already carrying fifteen twenty five thousand dollars worth of credit card debt. Oh. So just the idea of having a down payment for a home is out of here. Exactly. As a financial person, how do you talk to someone who, who's walking around at 35 years old going, no, I'm not buying a home, but it's not just that I don't want to buy a home. It's that I'm already strapped in so much debt I can't buy a home. Right. That's true. First of all, buying a home is not the American dream. Not anymore. Because it certainly doesn't mean that you're going to have tremendous wealth by doing it. It happened in the 40s and 50s um, when people from war from the war came back 
and they were able to get the GI Bill and so forth. They were able to buy homes and have an asset that could pass to generations that had a lot of value. Mm-hmm. Um, but those days have changed. Now people lose money on buying homes, thus 2008. Yeah. So for, for a millennial, there's so many things that you have to focus on. It's like what you said, the student, the student debt, the credit cards, and just staying above float. And you add the fact that uh, jobs haven't paid much over the last few years. Right. You haven't seen dramatic increases in pay, although they have more debt. So I mentioned on the show um, maybe a couple of months ago how I met with a um, – um, what was she was a pharmacist. She was oh, a pharmacist. Yes, yes. She was a pharmacist. So and she's making this this big salary. She's making one hundred thirty thousand dollars. I said, "Woo, that's that's pretty good. That's good money." But let's look at the the entire balance sheet, and then you see this loan over for three hundred and fifteen thousand dollars that she has to pay Which almost is more than a house. More than a house. I mean, more than most. More homes. more than the average house. Yeah. The average home, the median sales price home in Charlotte is $190,000. So she's already got a home and a half. Oh, exactly. Exactly. So so you take that, and now you have a $3,500 payment. I mean, she's strapped. She's strapped to that position. What else? What, what if she wants to take a job and become a teacher, become a firefighter? Can't afford to do it. No. You know, wants to stop working to help with her family if she wants to have a family one day and and then want to stay in that profession. She is really strapped. So I can see a lot of the commitment issues, and I'm not a psychologist either, <laughs> but I can see that coming from this place because of how large the debt is. And now, because you're just planning, you're just trying to catch up, that the incomes haven't increased, but the debt loads have increased dramatically. So now credit cards, revolving credit card debt increases also. So now... You're not just paying the six to five to six to seven percent interest rates on student loan debt. Many people we're seeing are paying 14, 20, 25 percent interest on credit cards just so they can make it. We a lot of millennials uh, move back in with their parents, right? But there are some people who just couldn't. They just couldn't for for many reasons. So me included, I, there was no way that I was going to move back with my mother. You know, this wasn't going to happen. So, and she wasn't going to let me anyway. So, <laughs> so, um, so I know I had you to don't do, do your chores. Right, exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. So, um, so, yeah. So, for that reason, for those people who couldn't have the opportunity to do that, then right now it's just about making ends meet. Yeah. And that, and that's what, that's really what this is about. And that's why they aren't buying any houses. That's why they're saying, you know what? Instead of putting this money down on this property, I can put this to pay off some credit card bills or really just try to make it financially until I can grow in my profession, whatever that is. Well, and one of the things, too, that, that, that this article talks about, and, and I, I, you know, I know this now from owning a home. You know, I, my home I bought as a foreclosure. OK, yeah, and so that's I, good, man. Yeah, I walked in. Um, Same I had, here. I had, I had some work that had to be done. But the amount of work I had to do still wouldn't, didn't exceed the overall value of the home once I reached that point. And for those of you who own homes or don't own homes, you probably understand the math I'm doing there. But I think, too, one of the things this article mentions, and it makes it, it it's a good point, because it is a seller's market right now. And, and uh, we had Brad Roach in here, and he talked a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. You know, a, a seller can pretty much get what they're asking for their house, if not more nowadays. That's right. That's right. So, you know, not only do millennials not have the same buying power that some did 10 years ago, but the prices are not necessarily in their favor. So, I mean, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of inventory and the inventory that's out there, you're not going to get 
you know, for pennies on the dollar. You, nope. you know, like Both you days were, over. Right. Yeah. So I think that plays a big role in it, too. And it does. It uh, does. And, and let's face it, the amount of apartment, just in Charlotte alone, when you look around, mm-hmm. the amount of rental properties that are being built, hmm. at some level, I would think the, the people sort of, I don't know who the they are necessarily, but it seems like somebody knows something because they're building a whole lot more rental properties these days. Oh, oh that's it. Uh, and, and they do know. These developers, they know what's going to eat these millennials. They don't want to buy. And now they're starting to uh, get increases in their wages. In fact, it went up nationally for the first time last year. So because of that, they're building not just apartments, but apartments with amenities. Yeah. So it's about the amenities. Yeah. So not only do I have to did not have to commit, but now I can be in my own oasis where I can have the, the nice pool, the nice gym, everything right there for me mm-hmm. that looks very I mean beautiful places. Yeah. Um and just rent and not have to worry about some large down payment that I'm attached to this this building now also that I have to take care of. Because the other reason is although wages have not increased Working time has increased. Right. So the amount of time people are working, emailing, texting, doing all these things, this is like a 24-hour job. So because of that, that's another reason why people aren't buying and have to worry about the maintenance of a home. I want to ask you one other question on this before we before we move on to some okay. other things. But if, if a millennial can't even think about buying a home, then I would think, you know, preparing for retirement and, you know, planning for their sort of their future I mean, that's got to be even further back from home ownership, doesn't it? Well, the cost of home ownership is actually leveled out versus even renting, especially if you look in certain areas in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. It costs more to stay in certain apartments than it would if, oh. they bought, if they bought a home. No question. You know, so because these developers and which, you know, they're smart people, they know this. Yeah. So they ha- they ha- and they're charging accordingly. So unfortunately, the rental rates have gone up. Oh, yeah. um, because of that demand, but ultimately that will that will change slightly, and then home ownership and that and for that demographic will change as well. So it's just it's just a matter of time. Overall, it doesn't it doesn't really hurt. Um, and each city is different, mm-hmm. but overall it is just this a longer time frame. Don't really hurt anything at all. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I know uh, you know, and, and it's the last thing I'll say on this, and we, we will move on. But I know from you know, I have a friend that lives in uh, one of the the uh, lives in the it's called. Right over here around the corner. It's called the Ashton. Um, and, yeah. and his rent has gone up every year because of demand. Oh, because they're not. Because they know if he doesn't want to pay the rent, they'll get somebody else in in two weeks. That'll, that'll gladly pay it and sign a year lease. Yep. Yep. You know, I was actually speaking with a uh, a real estate agent, actually, with uh, he was the number one real estate agent at Keller Williams, which in Charlotte, by the way, Keller Williams is the number one, the number one Keller Williams agency in the country is in Charlotte. Wow. So I spoke with their number one guy today who's doing, you know, this phenomenal work sure, and yeah. just a great person, Christian, you know, just this great, great, great guy. So anyway, we were talking about some things and he's, he was talking about the upcoming recession, right? The upcoming recession. So the goal is to not only think about today, because no matter millennial generation X, Y, whoever you are, when you're younger, you tend not to focus on your future. But if you think about the future, you can really set yourself apart and really be do well financially. So for millennials, the key is going to be to save their money. If you're going to rent, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. As long as you have if, as long as you're saving money. So let's say the, the comparable home or condo might cost you a thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Then you don't need to be paying twelve hundred dollars a month for an apartment. Right. You know, it needs to be comparable and you need to save the difference. So the maintenance and things that you aren't spending, 
go ahead and save that money. Put that in a in a savings account. So the goal is to get six months living expenses saved. Put that in a savings account. Once you get there, open up a brokerage account. Start investing your money. And uh, we, we like ETFs, but you can use mutual funds, uh, buy certain stocks, uh, whatever the case may be, in a nice conservative portfolio where you can really start building up your nest egg. Once you do that, um, be prepared. So when the downturn comes, now, just like you were able to take advantage of a foreclosure, mm-hmm. foreclosures are going to always happen. So if you have the money, now you can step in when the time comes. We've seen the deals where a home may be worth $200,000. Someone buys it for $120,000, $130,000, and then they keep it for three or four years, sell it for two fifty. Yeah, You know, that's just a beautiful situation. So now you put yourself in a much better financial predicament than versus renting where you get none of those benefits at all. Mm-hmm. Plus, you get some tax benefits by owning a home as well. So it, the key is, to, and I talk, I tell this to everybody. Oh, that that especially, every year is one of my favorites. Especially millennials to save. Yeah, Save your money. Go out. Kick it, have a good time, all of those things, but make sure you save your money so you can have a great opportunity. I was just talking to my um, my wife's uh, cousin, a young man, lives in Chicago, just doing phenomenal things, buying real estate. Uh, he owns a four-family flat uh, in Chicago. He lives in one of them and saves all of his money. So the other three people are actually paying him rent. So he's living there for free. Nice. Right? Good move. Very nice. Good move. I told him to save his money. And to talk about other opportunities where he could take advantage of by saving. And now if you have the money available, you can take advantage of those opportunities. So housing being one of them, just like um, stocks being one of them, the goal was to buy low and sell high. But when the, when, the, when the buying is low, when the number is low, then have the money available where you can go ahead and get in and get access to it. It could change your life. Well, and you talked and, and you've mentioned this several times, you know, yeah. um, opportunities are always going to come your way. That's right. It's all about being able to take advantage of them. And and that's about, hey, save your money, save your money, save your money. Because when that opportunity comes along, if you've got no way to take advantage of it, then you really have no one to blame but yourself. That's it. So um, um, you brought up something there, too. I want to talk about real quick. You know, uh, we've we'd heard that the recession was coming. The recession was coming. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we saw an increase in pay. Like you said, Um, last year we saw, you know, salaries and, and money go up around the country. And so. Have we kind of put the brakes on this? Is it still coming? Where do you see us in six to eight months? I mean, millennials not buying homes. Everybody's, you know, there's the financial world we live in now reminds me a lot of, say, like football. You know, mm. the, the running game is no longer how things how we focus. It's all about the passing game now. That's right. right. So so how is how is that affecting you as a financial as a financial person? I mean, are you seeing the effects? No, I, I think um the economy has actually grown very slowly, which we hear um, pundits talk about this and say this is a terrible thing. It's actually been pretty good to slowly get out of it versus putting a, an initial jolt that's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. So this has been sustainable growth, and that's why over the last, since really since 2008, uh, the unemployment rates have gone down, housing prices have started to go up slowly but surely, and for that reason, I don't see that huge cliff that's coming. Uh, However, it's going to come at some point. Every 10 years or so, the markets go down. Something happens in the financial channels. Greed typically happens, (laughs) um, being, being a huge part of that. And 
when it comes, it comes pretty heavily. Yeah. So uh, at least 20 to 25 percent in reduction. So we may see that again. This presidential election is going to be important. So anybody who's not voting, I urge you to go ahead and vote for somebody, whoever you decide to vote for, um, because they have two different, as we talked about, their tax thoughts and their tax ideas and strategies. Um, they have different philosophies. And one of them is going to work and one of them is clearly not going to work because they they both can't do the same thing because they're so contrastly different. Well, you know, um, as I, I like to think of myself as a millennial, I'm I'm right there on the outskirts of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, me, too, um, me too. <laughs> I'm not. But <laughs> that's OK. But if you want to be one, that's cool. All I'm right. Good, good, that. good enough. But, but when I you know, when I think back to, you know, 2008, you know, I bought my house right before the bottom fell out. Um, and, and you mentioned this at the beginning of the show. From your perspective, I don't know personally, but I feel like because I don't know as much as I think my father probably knew at my age. Hmm. I don't think also, too, that millennials understand the financial world. I, I think people are generally smarter than they've ever been. OK, I yeah. do believe that. Yeah. I think we're, we're smarter now than we've ever been. But I still think when it comes to finances and things like that, there's a lot of just I don't want to say is it naive is it lack of knowledge is it I still think there's a lot of a lot of unknowns out there for most people when it comes to this kind of stuff would you say that that at some level education also plays a bit of a role in that I mean are we because I don't think we we educate people financially the way we should no we don't I mean I think about my parents who worked all the time I Mm -hmm. think about many parents in that generation who worked a lot who didn't sit down with their children and talk to them about hey these are the things you need to do with your money Mm -hmm. Right. They were trying to figure it out themselves. And now that we're in the information age, um, people can go out and find something like the worth report and get some good ideas and find out what to do with the money. But prior to that, this didn't exist. Prior to the worth report, you couldn't get any good information. (laughs) No, (laughs) but um, but um, but but prior to this information age, it just couldn't happen. So I, I think that is certainly a part of it. But but also education isn't taught. In schools. So financial education isn't taught. Education is taught, but financial education is not taught in right. schools. It's in some places. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Very, very, anyway. true. very true. Very true. Very <laughs> true. for another day. Yeah, 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 no doubt about it. So you have a, a certain group of people, a segment um, that the, the 47 percenters, as I think it was called in the last generation, in, in the last election, that the information is certainly not getting there on what to do. And then you have others who have done well financially, uh, who on the top who may have sheltered their children to not have to worry about money Mm -hmm. because that generation made the most money. Mm -hmm. So the baby boomers today have all the wealth, more wealth than any generation in history. So because of that, um, their children didn't have to do the things that they had to do. So that's also a part of it. We, we see it all the time. And now it, Well, I say now it takes a long time for certain kids to come around to finally say, you know what? Sometimes this is not kids. It's anybody. Sometimes you have to hit your head before you realize um, that maybe I need to do some things differently. When when you take a look at at anyone, obviously, the first thing is save. There's no question about that. That is the first step is to start saving. But beyond that, what what is the thing that you tell people more often than not or more often than anything else? Hey. This is where it's, I mean, take a, take a step back and look at this and this and this. What, what, okay. do you, what do you sort of isolate first and foremost? 
Albert Einstein said the greatest invention was compounding. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. In, in investments, it's compound interest. So looking at your money, make money for you. Your money can work harder for you if you start earlier. So it all starts with saving. And then after saving, it's saving in the right places. So making sure you make good, sound decisions. A good place would be that savings account, that investment asset account that we talk about, that's a part of your emergency reserve. Mm-hmm. That now, unlike where at the banks, there's no reason to keep fifty or sixty or a hundred thousand dollars at a bank or twenty thousand at a bank, because how much money are you going to make on that money? Nothing. So invest part of that money. Have some of it there. Typically, we like to have other six to twelve living of uh, months for living expenses. Maybe two months at the bank. The other amount will be at a um, investment account. Okay. where they can actually have access to it. It's liquid, which means you can take the money right out with no penalties, no fees. But in the meantime, it can be working, making interest for you. Mm-hmm. Conservatively, somewhere between 4 to 6%. Then once you get to your 6 to 12 months, now you're looking to invest uh, more long-term. That's when you buy stocks like um, Netflix. And I, I saw a number, I think it was, they put $1,000 in 10 years ago on Netflix. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, they have like thirty two thousand dollars or something that was this wow, this amazing. It yeah. might have been, might have been more than that. I mean, that's but, uh, a, that you're not going to get that return on your money anywhere yeah, else. Yeah, certainly not at the bank. No, that, no. that's just, that's just not going to happen. So, and there's so many instances where Tesla, Amazon, you know, these companies have made over four Starbucks. or five hundred percent. Starbucks, Starbucks is a good. Um, that have done very well. Part of what we tell every client is, you know, why not buy. Something, you know, where you do business. We work with a lot of athletes and college coaches. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if you're with Under Armour School, mm-hmm. then uh, you feel good about what they're doing. Why not own a little piece of it? Yeah. You know, last couple of years, they've made over 70% rate of return. Yeah. You know, Nike, same way. You know, if you believe in the product, own it. That means they're going to be around. Um, and then you look to save conservatively. So when the markets drop, everything is for sale. It's like, you know, you go into the store. And you see, you know, the sales rack of exactly what you wanted, but it's 85 percent cheaper, 85 percent off. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's no better thing than that. Oh, heck yeah. You know, you go in there and say, well, I really like this coat. This Kohan jacket is seven hundred dollars. And you go back next week and that was seventy dollars. You're going to go buy the jacket. Yep. No doubt about it. So why not do it with real estate? Why not do it with with stocks and bonds? And just everything in life gives you so much opportunity. And sometimes you got to take a step back to move two steps forward. What I like about millennials and not necessarily buying homes would be you're flexible. You can you can make moves and make changes and move somewhere else. Mm-hmm. The cost of living in New York is more than it is here. Oh, heck yeah. Right? Right. But right. what if that job that's going to take you to the next level exists in New York? then you need to be able to save to be able to do that. Let's say the salary increase is only a small incremental, okay? Right. So if that's the case, then you need to have savings where you can go ahead and make it happen, make that opportunity work for you, and who knows what doors the Lord is going to open by doing that, by you being a good steward over every dollar you've been blessed with. So um, I know I keep talking about saving. You want to talk about, you know, what's the secret sauce? It's about having money. And the truth of the matter is that the debt that is an issue, uh, there's so many. I mean, it, it's continuing to rise. We don't have enough income coming in to to even pay. So the it keeps the deficit keeps going up each and every year. What are we going to do about this right now? We're seeing this class divide. Mm-hmm. So and that will do nothing but increase dramatically. 
but you can go to the next level if you have some cash available. And I don't mean that you have to have $5 million somewhere. It could be $2,000. You know, we have an office in Detroit. I'm from Detroit. There are people who bought homes and blocks for ten, uh, bought a block for $10,000. And now they're selling those homes five and six years. They're renting them out. Now they're selling them for 10 to 15 times what they pay for per house. Wow. So it didn't take a lot of money to do that, you know. So because each home was a thousand, you don't have ten thousand, a thousand. Right. You know, there are always opportunities, but you have to save and look for it. So it's very easy. The, the biggest mistake that I see is that people will tend to go after what they can get now. Right? I can go buy this watch now. I can go buy this car now. I can go buy this handbag now or these shoes now. Right. Because I know this. I'll get some enjoyment out of this. Mm-hmm. But why not save to put yourself in a position where you can buy two cars? five handbags, 20 pair of shoes, and still have money left over. And that's what saving is all about. So for millennials, you came into a very tough workforce. It's still tough, even though it's increased, it's gotten better. It's still a tough workforce uh, to really crack. But if you save and really live below your means, then it's going to put you in in a really great great situation. The other bad thing I'll say um, really quickly is a lot of parents – uh, who did well financially, mm-hmm. also spent a lot of their money. Wow. So a lot of folks won't be getting inheritances like they thought they were. Wow. They, you know, grandma might have left mom and dad an inheritance. That inheritance might not be there for you. Well, there you go. As our good friend Nick likes to say, there's yep. some financial news you can definitely use. Um, Glenn, this has been fun. I had a kind of... Yeah, know, man. Yeah, man. Weird. It's yeah. different. It's yeah, different. It is. It was good, um, man. Like I said, if, if you if you have any questions at all, whether you're a millennial, whether you're before a millennial or after a millennial, uh, no matter what, uh, pick up the <laughs> phone, um, get on the internet, reach out to Worth Financial, Glenn Wright and his staff. Like I said, I, I work with them personally, and I can I can I can tell you firsthand, they're great folks, and and they always have your best interest in mind. So, Glenn, thanks so much. It was great to talk to you this weekend. Thank and, you. And uh, I look forward to seeing you and Nick back here again next week. That's right. All right, man. Have a great weekend. See you. This has been The Worth Report with your host, Nick Wharton and Glenn Wright. To learn more about Worth Financial and to speak to one of their advisors, call 704-731-0121. That's 704-731-0121. Or log on to worthadvisors.com. That's worthadvisors.com.